0: Welcome back to the channel, Steve. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to be sat down on my arse and
1: doing nothing. I hope that's isotonic, Steve, with at least
0: Uh, 20% protein. uh, Something like that, with a few carbs, yeah. (laughs) How are you feeling? Uh, Feeling good. Uh, I mean, it's been, what, how many days now? Uh, I forget what day it is now. It's Friday, yeah, so it's been uh, four days. So uh, feeling good, yeah, just a, still a few little aches and uh, I've just took off the uh, plasters off uh, my blisters. It's mainly the, my little toes on both feet. Uh, the, the ball of my foot as well got pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, apart from that I'm fine, you know, so I can hobble along, no problem. Have you been back out running again yet? I did have a little trot that <laughs> on the Tuesday, well, because it was, it was 105 miles and uh, I got to the 100 and I stopped I was like, no, so I needed to do the five miles. And I knew that no one else, when I woke up in the morning, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, no one had still posted up on the leaderboard that they'd complete the whole distance, so I thought, Right, I'll nip in there. I went out at around about 9 o'clock in the morning. Don't forget I didn't go to bed till about half past three in the morning. So, <laughs> so you were back old.
1: up at nine to, to start again? I went
0: out, but I basically had, a, uh, I think, a one-mile hobble.
1: Uh, okay. Literally, I hobbled
0: along and then I went into the afternoon, so it was about two o'clock when it had warmed up a little bit more, to so it's about 40 degrees. And then uh, what I did was uh, I drove up to uh, an area that is shaded, it's like a catchwater. Okay. So it's, a, it's a, a road that's not really used, but it's in the shade and basically it's a co- it's one kilometre each way. So I thought if I do a few of those, if I did I think it was six or seven of those, I would get the missing four miles. Uh, so I managed to basically, a bit of a jog, a bit of a hobble, and then uh, I think it was the monkeys. The monkeys came out of the trees and made me jump and made me run <laughs> a little bit faster. But yeah, I got it, got it done. And I was feeling okay in proper shoes rather than flip-flops. And yeah, but since then, I've done, just walked back from work to her house. I've just, just relaxed, just take it easy, start eating and drinking properly and uh, just trying to catch up on sleep and get back to normal again.
1: Okay, for, for anyone who didn't see the first interview, the reason you were back out the next day was to complete the distance for the Lakeland virtual race. So, yeah. the total distance was 105 miles in the end? 105
0: miles, yes. So, uh, it ended up being 105 miles or 169 kilometers. Okay. So, so uh, that, that's same as the course is, the real course itself.
1: And in the end, were you the first person to finish the the virtual challenge?
0: Yeah, I was the first person uh, posted up there. Although Good I will man. give credit to two guys who did the distance uh, and it took, there was a bit of lag for their Strava to upload. Uh, Paul Doyle and Paul Little from Leighton. They're part of a Leighton running group in their 50s and I think they were virtually, did it in the same time as me, around about 25, 26 hours altogether and uh, they were absolutely finished at the end. But I just wanted to highlight them who were out there suffering at exactly the same time I was.
1: Very sporting of you, Steve, very sporting. So yesterday I asked on social media for some questions. So some of the questions were serious, some of them were were not so serious. Um, The first one from Steve Carr, he wanted to know, have you started the medication yet?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm
1: just starting it. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) And on a similar vein, on a similar vein, Karenza Choi, she says, Are you off your nut or what?
0: uh yeah my wife, wife thinks the same thing as well
1: <laughs> she was very good with the updates because you're the the garmin tracker went offline for a period of time
0: and yeah i noticed and it did fail almost at the end as well and luckily my uh jackie she called me up and uh let me know and i noticed my watch was virtually on the way out dying at one percent so i stopped it there and then and then started the uh, Strava on my phone okay Uh, so I didn't miss any so So I'm not quite sure what happened there but yeah
1: okay a more serious question from Steve Carr is how did you manage the heat and humidity and especially with your feet
0: so I didn't pack much I packed light I just had three 500ml flasks uh, because the way I planned the route, I knew there's plenty of hydration along on the route. Like vending machines so I can get water and uh, isotonic drinks and th- things like that. And I started at midnight and the main reason being is is to get as much as I can done in night to avoid the direct sunlight.
1: Okay. And then I
0: planned the route to be in the shade as much as possible during the daylight hours. But at the end of the day, I couldn't really avoid that heat even even in the shade. So uh, what did I do? Basically, I just covered. I tried to not expose myself so much uh, to the sun. I didn't do a John Ellison run around uh, half naked. I had arm sleeves on. I had a hat with the uh, the shade on and everything, whatever I could to protect me from the sun and uh, to not get that sunburn, that, which would uh, make it even worse. A couple of times I did stop at streams, and uh, I
1: did see there's a picture of a your and
0: One, uh, uh, one uh, point. Yes, I kept my shoe. <laughs> If you notice i kept my shoes out of it because i didn't want to start walking around with uh wet feet okay. but yeah because i was absolutely soaked anyway from sweating and uh, there was another picture i showed of uh, literally where i sat on the concrete for literally uh, a few seconds and i'd left a huge puddle wet there I, I was literally there was no rain at all but i was just melting so yeah it's just basically making sure I was taking uh, salt tablets, making sure I was keeping isotonics and uh, fluid in me all the time. And wherever I could, every now and then along the trail, there's like, apart from the bit where you see me lying in the uh, catch water, just taking Mm -hmm. in the water, cooling my core down, there were plenty of places where there's running water coming out of a pipe, and it's nice, cool water, and then I would just hold the water over my wrists or try and get uh, my buff soak it and then put it on the back of my neck do you know what the temperatures
1: were on the day
0: it was around about 33 but with the humidity it probably felt in the 41 42 degrees something like that because the air was heavy okay that's a
1: that's a challenge for sure
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I know that running, uh, it gets hotter in other places, like, uh, I don't know, in the Mediterranean, places like that, in the summer. But the, the humidity, the heat I can deal with, uh, it's mainly the sweating and everything being absolutely wet. Uh, the other thing, now, when it comes to my feet, this time round, I only took one pair of shoes. Uh, in my drop bag, I didn't take any shoes, but I did have a spare pair of insoles and I went through four pairs of socks. So I always carried uh, one or two uh, pairs of spare socks in a Ziploc bag, in case my feet got too wet and I felt blisters coming along. And basically, if I needed to attend a blister, I could take my sock off, look to it, put a plaster on, and then put a dry sock on, because I know it's too fiddly putting a wet sock on. Also at the halfway stage, when I uh, got showered and changed, and I changed the insoles of uh, my shoes, It was just good to put my feet into what felt like dry shoes, in dry socks. and I just feel fresher, basically. So, with my feet, that's how I did it.
1: And in the end, you had some problems with the feet towards the the
0: closing stages? Yeah. Yeah, it was at the closing stages. Uh, I think the socks I had reused, there's a pair of socks that I had that weren't so wet, which I put on. Uh, I'm not sure if that aggravated it or not, but my feet were definitely wet there. I couldn't get them dry, and uh, in the last few K, it really was uh, pretty painful. Uh, But I'm not sure if that was a a mental thing, because actually I did give up right at the 100 mile uh, (laughs) there.
1: (laughs) I don't think you can call it giving uh, up when you arrive to 100
0: miles. <laughs> we'll just see you start. So, uh, so that was the, yeah the main thing. I did start getting chafing uh, in between the legs as well. Again, that came along only in the final few kilometres. The rest of the time, I was conscious to keep uh, putting lubricants uh vaseline or the gurney goo or whatever i had it hand in my bag at the time didn't get any problems on my chest with chafing at all uh, which i was expecting and under my arms uh under my armpits sometimes i get chafing, but this time i didn't so uh not quite sure it's always different you know i've done uh long distances before i get absolutely no chafing whatsoever and then sometimes i just do a short half marathon and i get chafing so I guess such is yeah, the way of things. It depends. Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Next question. Um, again from Steve Carr. He wants to know what is your next ridiculous idea? <laughs> you, you've got a fine selection of drinks.
0: <laughs> My next, with, rid- mm. I haven't got one at the moment. Uh, But Nikki Han has told me about something. Uh, She won't let it out of the bag yet. Something happening around the end of August. Uh, And knowing Nikki, it's probably something mental. Uh, And she says it's something that's right up my street, but I have no idea. But uh, at the moment, I'm just planning to just uh, take it easy now for the rest of the summer. I want to enjoy a bit swimming in the sea, a bit of kayaking, and uh, bring the mileage down a bit. I might do a few 50k's uh, as training. uh, Just the (laughs) 50k. Yeah, but yeah, I've got nothing planned uh, at the moment, nothing crazy anyway. I can't think of what, after a 100 miler, what is next, you know, what is the next challenge after that? Yeah, that's like, yeah going from a half marathon to a marathon i guess but yeah 200 miles nah maybe 200k So <laughs> no i've got nothing one. planned at the moment
1: not in the summer yeah. um no. speaking of nikki han she did right to say how come steve gets an interview and she doesn't
0: well she's camera shy exactly steve <laughs> that was the, that was
1: the response okay next up um this is a good question, actually, something I wanted to know also from Elliot, and he wanted to know, what were your highest moments and your lowest moments during the challenge? Well, Elliot talked a lot. <laughs> uh... Because he joined you for some of the run,
0: didn't he? He joined yeah, you a couple of join times. Yeah, he me. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the low points, let me think. It's definitely on uh, the second night. I think think it was when I got to uh, from Stanley to Repulse Bay, which is the south of Hong Kong Island. So I'm in the back 40k, the last 40k and uh, John Ellis, who, who also ran with me, was telling me don't look at your watch. You know, don't count it down, just keep going. Uh, but I did, I kept looking at my watch and making calculations and stuff. And uh, then I was getting really tired. My eyes were dropping. My running partner, Marge uh, Pritchard, she had to drag me out of the road because a couple of times I kept wandering into the road and she had to drag me back onto the pavement. But in Repulse Bay where I sat down and I didn't think I'd given up at one point, but it was just the pain, it's the aching, the tiredness. I don't, it's just my feet and uh, I had this coffee basically. and. Elliot told me about drink 7-Eleven coffee, it will do you good and uh, which I did and then I had a couple of bananas as well and it it really perked me up. But I think in Repulse Bay I was at my lowest point. Uh, I I didn't get the hallucinations, I thought I did because at one point there's three of us, we were walking along a catchwater and uh, I was very conscious of it's a narrow path. And the catchwater is basically is a concrete ditch that goes straight down, about two meters down on the right hand side. But every now and then you're going over what's like a bridge, but there's no uh, handrails or anything. And there's a sheer drop on the other side. So I had to keep you know, waking myself up a little bit more to be conscious of not to drift left or right too much, because it is literally about three quarters of a meter wide. Uh, but then this wild boar, uh, we must have startled it and uh, it just came out and did this large snarl or something. But luckily, <laughs> it, uh, it was that Marge that was behind me, Marge or Floxy. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it the next day and I couldn't remember if it was real or not, whether it was a hallucination or not, I was told, but uh, now the high points, you know, and I try and concentrate more on those, there's obviously the running at night on my own and I tend to listen to audio books uh, a lot and uh zoning out audiobooks and then seeing the sunrise basically I'm out uh up what we call uh, Patson or the uh, eight immortals just seeing the sun rise and the sun go uh, the skies go from blue to purple to pink which was uh amazing and then the other high point was uh, meeting my uh running partner marge at the star ferry uh Kowloon because so i just bombed down Nathan road uh, got to The star ferry, and she came along with a a towel that was full of ice. Oh, very nice! uh, (laughs) Yeah, shots of espresso and a hummus and cheese uh, bun and some uh, little potatoes, boiled potatoes. So food, and then uh, uh, credit to her, she ended up going all the rest of the way. So she did eighty-six k herself with me on my side. So, Uh, but she did arrange that. uh, there's a place called happy valley which was around i think it was around about the hundred kilometer mark we went into her apartment and her husband and her daughter were there waiting and they had all this food set up they had towels clean towels ready so i went in the shower got changed came out and then the, the best thing was you've probably seen the picture where i'm just uh, sat back and they encouraged me to, me to put uh my foot on the table. And I says, oh no, I can't do that, so disrespectful. So they says, oh, here. And they threw an Australian uh, rugby towel on the table. So I said, okay. And I put my foot Feet up, there. no problem. Foot on there. And then they put a fan on my feet as well to cool my feet off. And I was just there. And uh, one of the, my favorite foods during these long distance ultras, Marge makes up this uh, carrot and coconut soup. Cold soup or something—it's just absolutely amazing. It really reaches the path So I was just grabbing that handful of crisps, potatoes, getting what I could inside me, but then also being aware that I didn't really want to spend uh, too much time rested up. Uh, How long were you still going again? I think it was uh, not much more than an hour. Okay. Uh, really because I was actually feeling good uh, my legs didn't feel really that tired and I didn't really have the stiffness uh, if there was a bit of stiffness usually I start moving a bit and it goes uh, and then I'm fine so I was feeling good when I uh, left happy valley after that pit stop and being in fresh clothes and uh, having you know fresh socks on and everything so yeah that was a good point also, the other high point is when uh, a French lady called Flox came along and uh, joined uh, me for 50 kilometres. And then uh, Elliot was a surprise because he didn't even tell me that he was coming. He popped out of nowhere. He just <laughs> ran in front of him and started taking pictures. It was like, whoa, there he is. Uh, and then John Ellis came along with, I called it the uh, shaken, not stirred, LucasAid. Oh, very nice. Uh, uh, as you can imagine, he <laughs> ran up with just nothing but a belt on with two bottles of Lucas. in his hand. <laughs> when I opened it, it just went everywhere, you know. So, yeah, so it's good to have those people tag along and uh, chat and keep company. And the thing is, a lot of time I like it when they chat amongst themselves because when I get really tired in these sort of things, I'm not a big talker, I just want to you know, yeah, get yeah. it done. I'm just focused, I just want to get it done. Yeah, I would say that would be uh, the high points. And then obviously, probably the highest point is when my wife turned up at the Central Ferry Pier in the car to take me home <laughs> and just, just to see her basically. Yeah. yeah, at two o'clock in the morning. That was it. I mean, there's a few good things happened along. It was interesting. Uh, was a bit of like a, an adventure. Be on your own at first. Uh, I do love running the, the first bit where it's nice and flat, and you've got all those uh, vending machines to help you go along. And I, I could just zone out. And then I was hoping to take pictures of certain wildlife because I knew I was going going past an area called Monkey Hill, which is just infested with monkeys. And uh, obviously, had a bit of food on me and stuff. So, usually, they chase you if you got food. And this time, we didn't see any. Usually, the place is infested, there's like hundreds of them. And this time I go there, there wasn't any at all. So, uh, people kept spotting wildlife. Like, Elliot saw a squirrel, I didn't see it. There's a wild boar in the bushes, I didn't see it. There's a couple of snakes, I didn't see it. I think the only bit of wildlife I saw was a fish that bit my hand when I was lying in that uh, catch water. Really? <laughs> Yeah, there was a little fish in there, one bit more my finger. <laughs> very nice to have that
1: that company for practically the the second half you had company.
0: Uh I mean they were great. Uh they didn't carry my bags, so I carried my own bags, so there's no muling and there was uh, you know, I did wish there was a bit of towing sometimes, you know, with the tow would rope. Nice? There's none of that. Yeah, it would have been nice. Uh uh, I did suggest it a few times, but no, we, we didn't have any of it. The interesting thing was, was that I thought the climbs after such a long day and in the heat, the climbs would have been difficult, like the staircases. As, and as you know, Hong Kong's very famous for its uh, staircases. Yeah, yeah. They actually weren't too bad. I, just, I think I just kept a steady motion going forward. The same I was actually uh, not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, I've had a few problems with my knees in the past, but uh, no, this time uh, I remember one set of steps I was actually, I had John Ellis behind me. So, uh, Always a good sign, uh, Steve. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have a, really have a problem with that, but obviously I did get into the death march mode. I could feel it in my feet in the last uh, 50K. I just death marched it, but I kept it a good march. It, around about 6K an hour, something like that. So every hour I was walking on 6K. So it's quite a brisk walk. I mean, uh, the ladies behind me, would well, every now and then would have to jog to keep up Okay. Uh, with me. But I, just can't, I can basically keep that consistent for a long time.
1: And how do you manage that mentally when you get to that stage? Like you touched on earlier about looking at the watch and it's very good advice from John, but also it's yeah. one of these things when someone tells you don't look at the watch, automatically you you want to look at the watch so how do you manage that mentally when everything you're not moving as fast as you would as you would like and the finish still seems a long way off at that stage
0: i mean i have to put other things into my mind and You know, one of the key things I kept thinking about when I went to a low point is I had to remember back to the presentation of Lakeland uh, 100 uh, last year. And at the end of the race, they have a big ceremony at the end at 12 o'clock on the Sunday. And everyone goes in this village hall and uh, they make a big like PowerPoint presentation and they give awards to each class of people. So you've got the V40, the V50, the V60. They had one guy who was 71 years old who'd uh, only just finished the 100 mile, and he came in to get his uh, to get his trophy for being the, well he was the only 70 year old that did the 100, but to think, now oh, he's like 70 years old and he's gone through two nights and he's managed to do that uh, 100 mile, even Impressive. though he was walking like a penguin, <laughs> he was chafing badly. But it was, for me, it was very inspiring, basically, to see someone like that, just the determination, and just to get the job done. And I thought, if he can do it, then there's no excuse for why I can't do it, basically. And things like that I had to put into my mind to encourage myself and to keep me going. And is that something you plan in, in advance, Steve? you
1: plan ahead to think, okay, when things get low, I'm going to use... This and no, the I did plan goal. that. Yeah
0: those, yeah, those sort of things kind of stick in my mind. And, you know, that was something I, uh, when I saw it uh, for the first time last year, and I thought, right, when I do the 100 next year, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this in mind and, uh, you know, hang on to that thought and thing. If he can do it, I can do it. You know, I've got no excuse unless I break a leg or something like that. But, you know, as you know, a lot of these things with these distances, it's more uh, mental than anything. And yeah, just not to give up really it's a good strategy to
1: have in mind before something that always interests me yeah. with especially well races also but especially these kind of challenges is how you thought about how you thought it would be before the event and how that compared to to the reality of it
0: i don't know but you might want to edit this little section out <laughs> <Just> <laughs> okay. <repeat the> question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because for me certainly i mean previously when i've done like effort not in a race environment but if it has been a particular challenge I look at it yeah and I can think of one one example where I went out to do my race Ultra Trail Scotland
0: the, yeah yeah
1: the, the first year so that I had a, a GPS file which I knew was hundred percent accurate I decided to go out and run the route myself um, it's based on a, on an island and I had the idea yeah, to, yeah. to go to the island, run the route overnight, take the last ferry over, run the route all night and come back on the first ferry in the morning. And before I went, you have this magical image of the sun going down and running all night and coming yeah. back in the morning. But the reality is you're three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning, up to your waist in a bog thinking, what the
0: hell am I doing here? <laughs> so it's that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I didn't really on this one. I didn't have those sorts of uh, thoughts really that much. I remember when I did the fifty miler last year, and there was a point because because of the weather. There's a different extreme where it's, it's just monsoon weather, and I was up to my knees in a bog, and like I was thinking, "What the hell am I doing here? I ain't doing this again, never." You know, and the first thing I said to my wife, uh, no, I said it at Ambleside Checkpoint, and then I said to Jackie again later on, I said, there's no way I'm doing this again. And you know what, she just turned around, she goes, yeah, you say that every time. Give you 24 hours and you'll be signing up. Next one, was right, you know, so right. it's amazing. We do put ourselves through that pain and that, I wouldn't say agony, but pain and frustration uh, and those low, low points. But obviously, we get something out of it because it makes us want to do it all over again. So exactly, and it's those—it's the low points that we speak about more than more than yeah, the high yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but on this journey, I don't think I had—I uh, had more higher points than low points. So uh, I didn't—I don't think I had very very low points where I just wanted it to quit. Uh, I didn't—that didn't come into my mind at all. I just knew I wanted to get it in the bag. Uh, and that was it. I kind of wish I got the one hundred and five rather than the hundred, but I just, I just knew uh, basically it wasn't going to happen uh, at that time. The way my feet were, the way my socks were, and I, uh, you know, I just couldn't do that extra five. Because the end of the day, five miles, even at a death march, is talking like an hour, an hour and a half basically exactly. on and your when feet. You've, when you've yeah. been
1: on your feet for that length of time, an hour and yeah. a half is it's a
0: challenge. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah it might as well yeah. be another
0: 12 hours. I wouldn't do it again in uh, the Hong Kong heat. Someone mentioned bad water. Uh, I don't think uh, that would be very appealing to me. It's something that's under direct sunlight, would just, no, it's not. I'm, I'm glad I've done it. Or would I change anything? Maybe a few little tweaks here and there, especially with the kit, you know, maybe uh, some, a bit more protection for my uh, toes against the blistering. I should've think of my nutrition, I should've concentrated on a bit more. I remember Elliot telling me, you're not eating enough, you're not eating enough. And I was saying, I'm fine, which is generally what I do. Marge was, at Repulse Bay, was forcing potatoes down me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> making me eat them. Yeah, so I was like, no, no, I don't want them. And she goes, eat, eat. Yeah, so there will be a few tweaks. Uh, love to do 100 mile again, but uh, say the next time, hopefully will be uh, in the Lake District in the hills in much cooler temperatures.
1: Exactly, so next year you must take a lot of confidence from that going into the event for next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also uh, the way this virtual event's been set up, how Mark Lathaway set it up, where he does uh, a TV broadcast uh, every night at 8 o'clock UK time, every day, and. uh, they share photographs and they talk about how people are doing and stories and other things about the race. And then you see other people where they're sharing photographs, we've got people that are doing it. Uh, there's one in New Zealand, there's uh, one in uh, Bermuda. Uh, so there's people all over the world that are doing this and it just seems a great atmosphere. and. Uh, uh, I had a little, little couple of messages with Paul Doyle and Paul Little, who were doing the hundred miler at the same time as me. And I says, you know, it sounds like you both went in through a lot of pain through the night and stuff. I said, we've got to have a few beers in that marquee in Coniston afterwards and exactly. reminisce. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be very nice. Well, but
1: did you meet these guys yeah. at the event previously, or only through no, only through no. this virtual one?
0: Only through this virtual one. Uh, I don't know, obviously, because I'm not based in the UK, so. Uh, And most of the uh, runners there are from the UK. So I don't personally know any of them apart from through Facebook. But uh, uh, you can tell from the atmosphere uh, and the friendliness, there's people that go there year in, year out to do it. They either do the 50 or the 100. But it it really is like a family. And as I was saying, out of all the races I've done, this is the one I think I probably... uh, hold closest to my heart basically uh just from the way it's done and uh, the way it's so welcoming and people come out and do things i mean for example uh on the Lakeland 50 at the very last uh, checkpoint they have something there called jacob's ladder and i remember uh, hearing all the people talk about it on facebook and uh uh i think oh it's a big set of steps and this should be a problem we got those things in Hong Kong you know (laughs) I got there late at night uh, and it was raining and then uh, I could see the steps behind the uh, checkpoint tent and I saw the lights where they had uh, going up and I thought okay but I'll just sit down and uh, they were really helpful they took the bag off me gave me a drink one woman came from outside and gave me this uh, Cheese toasty, she did over the fire, over and over the fire. <laughs> Very nice. fire Absolutely lovely. But then I looked around the other faces of the other people that were sat there, uh, the other racers, and they just looked broken. Uh, and it's just the fact that everyone's talking about Jacob's Ladder and uh, this climb up, and people just saying, "Look, it's only another five miles to go. Five miles, and you're in constant at the end, and like, oh, I can't do any more. Five miles and..." Uh, <laughs> They look broken, but the whole thing with Jacob's Ladder is it's a set of steps and they used to have a a charity bucket there and it's named after a kid called Jacob and I think he died in the end from leukemia or something like that. So now to this day everyone puts money in before they go up, so it's like a toll and the money goes uh, to charity, to Jacob's uh, charity. So anyway I stopped climbing up the steps, it's only about 15 steps, that was it. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> it all this build up as if it was this nightmare sort of thing. And it's like, because the rest of it afterwards, it's okay, you do it a lot of up afterwards, but it's it's on trail. It's not like the the concrete steps that you get in Hong Kong. It's, not, it's literally 12 or a couple of dozen steps. It wasn't that much at all because I got to the top and thought, is that it? You, you felt know, isn't there any t- more? But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I wanted more pain. (laughs) But uh, the only thing I've got planned to do now, left from uh, Lakeland, uh, Mark the RD has said it would be nice if we've got every single participant to take a photo of them going up some steps on Sunday and wearing something green. I'm not quite sure what the green bit uh, entails. uh, But yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, There's a a big mountain nearby uh, where I am in the country park and there's a it's a 400 meter climb i think it's about three or 400 meter or steps so i'm just gonna uh go up there slowly and uh just take a couple of pictures uh there so but like i said it, it's a great it's a great gig it's a great setup and this is a, a big race where like i said they don't have utmb points and there's no itra rankings either but it draws people yeah yeah it's
1: yeah. Uh, that's a topic for another day Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. so you've got the wine, you've got the beer, you've got some spirits. What time of day is it there now, Steve?
0: It's uh, twenty to eight at night. It's Friday night. Okay, you'll be in your bed by nine thirty. Uh, yeah, nine ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, Steve, yeah. well, it's been fantastic catching up with you. Been brilliant following this this story all along. And uh, next year we'll we'll catch up again for the for the Lakeland before and after.
0: Yes, fingers crossed it all gets better and uh, the racing calendar uh, gets back up and running again.
1: Hopefully Steve, hopefully. Thanks a million. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, thank you Casey, cheers.
1: Cheers Steve, that was brilliant.